0: I want to begin with a very special welcome to all of our moms today. Can we give it up to all of our moms today? You guys are awesome. Happy Mother's Day to you. We would literally not be here without you. You're awesome, you're honored, you're so vital, you're so important to our lives and we appreciate you so much. Hope today someone takes you out, that gives you a gift, treats you to treat you uh, maybe a nice meal, a nice card, maybe some flowers and so we love you moms. Uh, And Welcome to everybody else. If this is your first time at any one of our locations, Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, down in Seymour, here at Greenwood, if you're joining us online, we want to say welcome. If this is your first time, can we give it up for all of our (laughs) first-time guests today? We are starting a brand new series today called Family Circus, because family can be a circus. We're going to jump right into our content here today. Family can feel like a circus, Yes. Your family has a lot of characters in it, don't it? Doesn't it? You know, you think about all the different types of people. You got that person in your family that that doesn't work enough, yes, right? It's like, man, if they would just maybe get a job, that'd be awesome. That'd really help out. Then you got that other family that, that family member that works way too much. Typically, this is the dad, sometimes it's the mom. They're just always working and they're never around. Anybody have one of those? Then you have that other family member that's completely selfish. I mean, everything is about them, and they're like a narcissist. And, you know, if they're here with you today, don't elbow them. But, you know, you know who, who they are. They're, they're tough to deal with. Then that other family member who's like, they're always playing the martyr role. It's like, oh, woe is me, everyone's out to get me, and it's, oh, you know. Then you have that other family member who's the blame shifter. Oh. These are my least favorite people, right? It's never their fault. It's always somebody else's fault. I mean, there's so many different characters in a family. Then you got that other family member who's like, you know, a complete fitness freak and all they eat is broccoli. You know, anybody have one of those in their family? (laughs) Then you have the sweaty gamer. Anybody have one of these in your family? (laughs) You know, they just hang out in the basement, they very rarely shower, but they're really good at all kinds of video games. And their diet consists of Doritos and Polar Pop, and their outfit is basically shorts and flip flops. You know, anybody have one of those? They're probably not here today. <laughs> Man, there's, there's the one, there's the family member that talks too much, eats too much. I mean, there's so many different characters. And then you get, you get all these family members together and you're supposed to have some sort of normalcy not a chance i mean there is no such thing as a normal family you know i think about uh, the family sometimes as as if it you know it could be you know, uh, I guess compared to juggling. Like juggling is the thing that comes to mind when I think of a circus. And I remember as a little boy, uh, I saw my dad juggle and I was just, I was like, whoa, I couldn't believe that he could do it. And so I tried to do it and I kept messing up, messing up and, and then he showed me how basically, you know, what the movements were. And I, so I went to my bedroom and I stayed in my bedroom and, until I could figure out how to juggle. And so I can still do it today and it's pretty fun to actually do. Yeah, it's kind of fun. But when I first started to try to juggle, it was, oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, When I first started to juggle, I, I could not do it. And family kind of feels that way right? It's like you have these different family members and, and it's, it's it's literally a juggling act to make it work. And at first you feel overwhelmed, you can't do it, but then you kind of get the hang of it. It's like, okay, I can do that and do that and do that. And, and then you learn the skills that you need to kind of make your family somewhat, <laughs> somewhat normal, okay? Because there really is no such thing as a normal family. And then once you get that figured out, guess what happens? You know what happens. A fourth family member comes into the picture and that screws everything up doesn't it it's like you know everything was working fine until she showed up right everything was working great until he came to dinner and then you try to juggle that and let's just be honest I mean I have no idea how to juggle four balls I mean it is just really it's just beyond me and so if you happen to get one of those you can keep it but uh, (laughs) here's the interesting thing If you really wanted to learn how to juggle four balls, you could figure it out. It's on YouTube. You really could. I googled it last night. And there are training videos on how to do that. I think family works the same way. I think that there is some truth out there, there's some principles out there that if you applied to your family situation, you can actually get better and better and better at juggling the different dynamics of a family. In fact, I've been tell- I told the nine o'clock service and I took the I told the four o'clock service on Saturday that seven days from now, I'm gonna come back here and I'm gonna learn how to juggle four balls. That's right, I'm committing in public. To- to do that. I don't care if it takes me a hundred hours. I will stand up here next week and juggle four balls. Fair challenge? Cool. But here's what. I'm only going to do it. I'm only going to do it if you agree to take what you hear in this series and start practicing it, okay? Will you do that? Because it's the same concept. It's the same concept. There are some truths and some skills and some ideas and some truth that I'm going to share with you in this series that if you work at it and practice it, you can actually get better at juggling all the challenges of a family. So, over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about applying these truths to parenting that's what we're going to talk about today then next week we're going to talk about marriage and then the next week we're going to talk about the others who are the others? the in-laws and the extended family. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. And how do we juggle that? So so, uh, so yeah, so today what I want to do is take some ideas and apply it to the, to, the, to the relationship of parenting. Now, before you check out because you say, well, I'm not a parent. This sermon isn't for me. Hold on. I guarantee you know some parents. You might be a parent in the future. You're probably a grant. You could be a grandparent one day. And so these principles can be used in the future or you can share them with some other people if you don't fall into the category of, quote, parent today. So don't don't tune me out. So let's jump into this. You know, I have a family and they're all here today, which is very, very rare. They're all sitting down front here and I plan on embarrassing all of them today. <clears throat> no, I'm not going to do that too bad. Um, but here's a picture of them. If you don't know who they are, uh, this is my lovely wife. We've been married uh, 22, three, 23 years this August, which is very exciting. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fun. Uh, then there's my, my uh, middle child, Bo, our middle child, Bo. He's 18. He plays volleyball at Center uh, Grove High School, and he also works at Chick-fil-A. By the way, if you've got some teenagers, Chick-fil-A is a great place for them to work. I uh, just want to throw that out there. Then there's my daughter. She's in a show choir, and she sings and dances, and Obviously, she didn't get the tall gene. Kind of skipped, skipped her, but that's okay. Uh, that's all right. She's awesome. And then there's me, and then there's Andrew. And Andrew is a sophomore at Liberty, just finished his sophomore year at Liberty University. He's home now. And uh, yeah, so we are basically uh, trying to do the parent things to this day. We're involved. We haven't figured it all out. Our family is not perfect. It's It is dysfunctional, it is not normal at times, but we're trying to learn how to juggle. So, in order to do this today, I actually asked my wife to come up here and and help, because she's actually the better parent. Uh, Anybody willing to admit that? But uh, but she refused because uh, she was doing the mom thing this weekend, my daughter had prom, and so, by the way, can you imagine asking the pastor's daughter to prom? I mean, seriously, you gotta have some courage. Because all I have to do is like say his name and then be like, hey, if you know anything about this kid, you know, let me know on Instagram, you know, or something. And we got like instantly 10,000 eyeballs on this kid, you know. But I won't say his name, but uh, some of you know who he is. So if you do know anything, let me know. No, actually, (laughs) actually, he's a great kid and comes from a great family and they had a great time last night. But anyway, anyway. I asked Jackie to come up here, but she was doing the mom thing last night because that's the way she rolls. Um, and, and so I'm doing this by myself, but she really does some, have, have some good things to say. Would you guys like to hear from her soon? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So we'll get her up there. Get you up here. <laughs> so here's, here's what I want to share with you today. Four quick ideas that have helped us with our parenting. Four skills or truths, whatever you want to say. Number one, You gotta be clear about your purpose. You gotta be clear about the purpose of parenting. You gotta know what you're doing. Like, what is the end result here? Why are we doing this? Now, you don't have to steal our purpose, but this is the purpose that Jackie and I kind of came up with. Probably, honestly, me, more so of me. This is our purpose. Ready? It's really deep, it's really philosophical. To create responsible adults. Isn't that deep? Isn't that good? It's like, whoa, that's the purpose of faith. That's just real simple. I've always thought about it like, hey, these kids are in our house and they're leaving. And my job, our job is to get them ready to leave so that they can be productive citizens and go out into the world and make the world a better place and not cause more problems. Aren't there enough problems? Do you want your kids to make the problems worse? No. So we want to create responsible adults, responsible humans, as we launch them out of the house. And yes, folks, the idea is to launch them. Fly, baby, fly. Spread those wings. Leave. Leave. We love you, but you may not come back. And if you come back, you're going to pay market rent. Love you guys. That's the purpose of parenting. Now, you don't like that? That's okay. That's just, that's just our purpose. That's the way we function. And so the way that we kind of think about it is, like, if that's our purpose, you know, is to launch these kids and get them ready for life and be responsible adults, then we got to teach them, like, some character that, that, that basically would allow them to be those types of adults. Well, I'm going to share five character traits that, that in, at least in my mind, in our mind, that we try to instill. Number one, a great work ethic. Like, that's, that's what a great adult has. Great work ethic. Like, just work hard at what they're doing. The Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Number 2, be honest, tell the truth. Don't lie. Don't lie. Number 3, don't blame shift. It's your fault. Don't blame your brother. How many times have I said that to you guys? It's not your sister's fault, it's not your brother's fault, it's not mom's fault. It's your homework, okay? You didn't get it done. It's your fault. Take ownership. Why? Cuz that's what great adults do. Yes? They take ownership. They don't pass the blame. Aren't you tired of people passing the blame? I mean, we live in a society today where every, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, it's their fault. Man, responsible adults take ownership of their life. And then number four, be wise. Be wise. What is wisdom? Here's a definition, moms and dads. Write this down. We have, we have a, a, a little one that's upset. That's okay. I get upset sometimes too. <laughs> Write this definition down. Maybe it's in your notes. I'm not sure, but wisdom. I instilled this into our kids as soon as they were they could comprehend English. Okay, I was trying to get this into their minds. Wisdom is knowing the difference between right and wrong even and doing what's right even when it's hard. Let me say it again. Wisdom is knowing the difference between right and wrong and doing what's right even when it's hard. If you ask any of my kids, what is wisdom, they'll be able to say that back to you just like that. Why? Because I knew as a middle school student how unwise I was. And I knew how unwise I was as a high school student. And I knew how unwise my friends were as middle school and high school students. And I knew that they were gonna be in situations where all of their friends are choosing to do the unwise thing, whether that is look at something inappropriate or smoke something inappropriate or say something or do something inappropriate and they were gonna have to stand their ground and not go with the crowd, yes? And so I like crammed this into their heads to be wise. And then the last one was just to know God. Just to know God. Like, that's the center of everything. Like, have a relationship with God because one day you're leaving this house and I'm not going to be able to watch over you. And if you don't fear God and do the right thing because it's God's will and, 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 and you love him, then, then I've, I've totally set you up to fail. So you have to know God because you're leaving this home. Now, how did we do that? How did Jack and I do that? Well, we tried to do two things. Number one, give appropriate responsibility appropriate. This is really good for you, for you parents who have young kids. Appropriate responsibility. Start with their room. This is your space. It's got to be clean. Then move to something like the trash. Let me introduce you to the trash can. (laughs) This is your job to take the trash out, right? Then introduce them to something like the lawn, which is fantastic. I love the day when my kids started cutting the grass because that meant I didn't have to, right? And so here's the lawn and you have to cut it and it's your responsibility. And then you move to something bigger. Uh, uh, Just recently, uh, my wife and daughter, daughter went down to Florida for a choir, choir competition and my son and I, uh, Bo and I flew down to, to, uh, to Florida to meet them. Well, on the way down there, it just suddenly hit me like, this is a great opportunity. This is a coaching parenting opportunity. By the way, parents, that's what you are. You are a coach. So I said, we land, the plane lands and, and we're getting off the plane. I said, hey, Bo, check it out. Here's the deal. We got to get the luggage and we got to get to the rental car. Okay. And it's your job and I'm not gonna say a word. And you've got two resources, you've got signage and you've got people. So use them baby, because because you can't use me. And Bo's like, oh, I don't know where we're going, I don't know where, never been to this airport. So I know. And it might take us hours, but that's okay, because I'm not saying Jack. And so sure enough, he goes into motion, he's using the signs, he's doing okay, we make it here, we make it there, we get the luggage. We're we're out in the parking lot, it's so funny. We're out in the parking lot, it's dark, we're looking around, we're looking for row D, and I'm not saying a word, and we're just wandering around looking for row D. Finally, he's like, Dad, I can't find it. I'm like, I know. I said, hey, bud, look down. He looks down, and there's a big D on the ground right there. We found it. (laughs) So what am I saying? I'm saying you gotta give your kids level, appropriate levels of responsibility because isn't that what adulthood is about? Adulthood requires you to be a responsible adult. So that's what we've done. Number two, we didn't do it perfectly by the way, but number two, we gotta let them fail. You gotta let them fail. So many parents today do not want their kids to fail. They don't want them to have any pain whatsoever and so they coddle them. No, little Jimmy, you can't fall down. Little Jimmy must fall down often. Why? Because life is hard and people fall down. As adults, do we not fall down? Yes or no? Do marriages fall apart? Yes or no? Do we get cancer? Yes. Do things happen? Do there accidents? Do people die? Yes. So they've got to get used to failing and they've got to get used to overcoming obstacles. So you let them fail and then you coach them through that, right? Okay, here is the failure. Why did it happen? Did you not study enough? Did you not work hard enough? What happened? Did you not speak up enough? And then work them through that failure. Listen, when you coddle your children, you cripple them. Let me say it again, when you coddle your children, you cripple them because you're not preparing them for life. There is an epidemic today of unreliable people, have you noticed? I mean, just talk to business owners, small business owners, medium sized business owners, big business owners, what's their biggest complaint? I can't get people to show up and work. Well, where are these people coming from? These, quote, unreliable people in the workforce. You know where they're coming from? Your homes. Hello. There's an epidemic of unreliable people in the workforce because there's an epidemic of unreliable parents in the house. You say, Danny, you're not encouraging me right now. I know, but I got to say it. Like all of this stuff, like a great society starts with great parenting and we create great children and then great children go out and become productive adults, responsible adults. Yes or no? Yes or no? Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25. Putting confidence in an unreliable person. In times of trouble, it's like chewing with a broken tooth or walking with a lame foot. There are a lot of business owners out there today that are in a lot of pain because they cannot get our kids to show up and work hard. So it starts with purpose. Create responsible adults. Number two, and this is where my wife shines. She she does amazing at this. Number two, engage relentlessly. Engage relentlessly. What am I talking about? I'm talking about paying attention. I'm talking about being dialed into your kids and what's going on in four specific areas. Who are they with? That's the number one issue. Who are they with? Maybe not when they're a little small. Middle school, high school, absolutely critical. Who are they with? with? Why, because your kids' friends are out influencing you. They are the number one influence in your kids' life. Who are they with? Are they with good kids, shady kids, bad kids? You gotta know who they are and you gotta step into that issue. And then number two, what are they doing? What do they do? What do they do before school? What do they do at school? What do they do on social media? What do they do on Snapchat? Snapchat, did I say that right? Snapchat, what do they do on Instagram? Like what are they doing with their time? What are they doing after? You have to know this stuff. And the only way you know this stuff is by being relentlessly engaged with your children. And then number three, how are they feeling? How are they feeling? Again, this is my wife's strength uh, she, she does so much better at this like, She'll pay attention to like, the emotional part of things And you can just ask my kid this My kids this like they, she tries to pay attention. Are you happy, are you sad, are you frustrated, are you fearful, are you angry, are you anxious, are you excited, are you happy? And, and then she'll lean into those emotions with a conversation. And I do okay with that too on the backside, but I don't, I'm not as good as her at that. How are they feeling? And then number four, where are they physically? Like where are, like this is really easy when the kids are small, right? Unless you go to an amusement park and then you gotta get a leash. You ever seen those human leashes? <laughs> It's like, why didn't we think of that? (laughs) Um, But when they get bigger, it's harder to track your kids unless you learned about the Life360 app. Anybody heard about that? Ooh with the Life360 app, you can track your children via their phone. You can know where they are at all times to see if they're telling you the truth. Now, they probably have a workaround around that, but you can also figure that out as well. You just got to become tech savvy. Where are they? Now, you might be thinking, man, that's a lot of work. How am I going to engage? How do I engage as a parent? And there's only one way to do it. Time. It takes time. And this is why my wife is so good at it. Because whatever she's got, got going on with real estate and her job and blah, 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 all this different stuff, she's got 100 things going on. If it's something to do with our kids, all of that stuff stops and she pays attention to what's going on with our kids. I struggle with that because I don't have a lot of time. It's like, oh, I got time. I got to be here. I got to go there. I got to do this. My wife makes the time and she engages. I remember when Zig Ziglar said this many years ago. He said, To a child, love is spelled T I M E. It takes time, which is what makes parenting so hard because it requires time. So number one, you gotta know your purpose and be clear about the purpose. Number two, you have to create space and time to engage. Number three is to discipline consistently. Discipline consistently. This one is not talked about a lot today because I think it's maybe somewhat controversial. It's not to me, it's pretty clear to me. Kids need discipline and they need a lot of it. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. A youngster's heart is filled with what? Say it with me. Foolishness. Now, in our world today, people are saying that three-year-olds are smart. They know everything about everything. They even know what gender they want to be. It's amazing how smart three-year-olds are today. And the Bible says the exact opposite. It says kids are not so smart. Kids are dumb. Now, that's not an insult if you're a kid today. I love kids. I've got kids. I've been a kid. I was dumb. Remember being a kid? Remember how dumb you were? Come on. This is not an insult. We all come into this world wet and dumb. We just come right, right out of the womb. We know nothing. There's foolishness wrapped up in the heart of a child. Yes? We're trying to treat adults like they're kids, like they're trying trying to treat kids like they're adults. And they're not. And so why, how do we deal with the foolishness that's wrapped up in the heart of a child? Through physical discipline. The Bible says physical discipline will drive, drive it out. You say, Pastor Danny, are you talking about spanking? Yes! I'm talking about spanking. How many, yeah, somebody, some of you are clapping. How many, how many of you had parents that, would, that, you know, when you got in trouble, they'd be like, go out there and get you a stick. And you had to cut the stick off to, to get your own spec. Now my mom never did that. We never did that. But man, my mom used a paddle. Woo, one time she whipped me so hard with a paddle the paddle broke. Sometimes she grabbed whatever she can grab right around her. You know, so one time it was her shoe. She's like, watch gotcha. out. My gosh. Spanking. Physical <laughs> discipline. Drives what the foolishness out of the heart of a child. Spanking. Now, this I'm I could talk for 30 minutes about the proper way to spank, but I'm not gonna do that. You know what I'm gonna do? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send you to a book. In fact, every family that dedicated a child today got this book for free. It's the best book I've ever read on parenting. You have to read chapter 11, it explains the biblical case for for spanking, and then it works you through on chapter 15 on how to actually do it. It's the best stuff we have ever read. And so we took chapter 11, we worked it out in our family. And we said, here's what happened, here's what you did wrong, here's how many swats you're gonna get, go to your room, nobody's angry, nobody's upset. Okay, sometimes we were, we didn't do it perfectly. We give the spanking, then we pray, then we hug, then we, you know, and it's this whole process of redemption and correction. It's not just, you know, a free for all, you get smacked because someone's mad. Now, sometimes that happened because we're imperfect people. But, but if you do it properly, it does not, it actually works and you get your kids to do what you ask them to do, Makes sense? Now, this isn't about spanking. There are other ways that you can discipline. The point is that just you have to discipline. Kids need discipline. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19. Discipline your children while there's hope. (laughs) You feeling me? Because there's going to come a time where they're beyond hope. Why? Because physical discipline helps the children understand that there's consequences to their actions. And if they leave your house without learning that, oh my gosh, they go out into society and they get arrested. Why are our prisons and jails overflowing? There's an epidemic of crime. Because there's an epidemic of poor parenting. The kids leave the house never learning that there's consequences for your decisions and so they'll go out and they learn as an adult there's consequences for your decisions and you go to jail. Make sense? Discipline your children while there is hope. This, again, this isn't about spanking. This is about creating some sort of discipline. The other day, uh, I asked my son to, to take the trash out and he said, sure, dad, I'll do it. And he didn't do it. And then the trash guy came and, and I took the trash out, but it was too late. And so now we've got all the trash that's got to send it in there for another week. And it smells really bad. So when he got home, I was like, hmm, should I spank him? He's 6'5". He can bench press 225. <laughs> and I'm like, I think I could still spank him. But I didn't do that because it's past that time. So instead, I took $10 from them. See, there's other ways. <laughs> there, there are other ways to discipline your children, okay? But you have to do it. You have to do it. And if you don't do it, you're going to, say it with me, you're going to ruin their lives. See, as parents, we can ruin our kids' lives by not teaching them that there's consequences to their behavior. And then number four, let me give you this last one, be the example, probably the most important one. Be the example. If you want your kids to be have a great work ethic and be honest and if you want them to take ownership and stop blame shifting, if you want them to be wise, if you want them to know God, then you do all of those things. You work hard. You take ownership and stop blame shifting, right? You do these things. You tell the truth. You demonstrate what wisdom looks like in life, in relationships, and finances, and decision making. You sit down every day and spend time with God. One of the best things I've ever done as a parent. Of course, it's not because of I'm a parent. I do it because I love God and I want to be close to him. But one of the best decisions I ever made is to, is to spend time with God, not in my room, not in the basement, not somewhere where no one can see, but at the kitchen table. And every single day, you can ask my kids at 30, 6 o'clock, I'm spending time reading the scriptures, praying, journaling, and talking to God. Well, you know, today, I didn't make my kids do this, but each one of them has a practice of spending time with God because of, of the example. And not only do I do it, but my wife does it as well. And so we're like, what do we want to see? We want our kids to know God. We're not going to cram it down their throats. We're just going to show them what it looks like. We're going to be the example. An example is far more powerful than a sermon. Yes? Right? It's far more like people often say, don't, 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 don't tell me to do something. Show me how to do something. Right? Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Be an example to all of the believers. This word example is this word tupos, this Greek word tupos. It means a pattern. Be a pattern worth following in what you say, in the way you live, in the way you love, in your faith, and in your purity. Why is Paul telling Timothy to be an example? Because the believers are not just going to hear his sermons. They're going to watch the way he lives, and they're going to follow his example. Does that make sense? Show your kids what you want them to replicate. Here's the truth about children they are copy machines. They are Xerox machines. That's the way God made them. That's the design of their home, of the home. The only problem is you can't control what they copy. They could be copying your poor decision making, your poor financial choices, the way you talk to people, if you're lying, if you're stealing. But they could also be copying honesty and truth telling and gentleness and love and tenderness. They are copy machines. The question is, what are they copying? What are you putting in front of them? What pattern are you putting in front of them that's worthy of copying? My wife and I try to be very affectionate in front of each other. We don't try, it's not hard, we just are. (laughs) And we do it often and a lot of times my kids will say, can you guys stop kissing? Which makes me wanna kiss more in front of them. Why, why, why is that? Why do we do that? Because we want our kids to see what a healthy marriage looks like and what, what it looks like to love one another. In fact, my day off is Friday, and, and my kids know that that's time for dad and mom to hang out, right, on Fridays. And so occasionally through the summer, they'll be home, or my son comes home, and somebody's home on Friday. And you know what we do on Friday with our children? Because it's time for mom and dad. We send them on out. It's time to leave. Here's some money. You can go to McAllister's, you can go wherever you wanna go, but mom and dad are gonna hang out and you don't wanna be here. Now, if you're struggling to understand that, I'm gonna let you connect the dots later. Okay, just let that sit there for a minute. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we prioritize our romance? Why do we prioritize our relationship? We want our children to know what the priority is it's mom and dad. We don't use our children as an excuse to, to put intimacy on the back burner. No right? We want to set an example for them what a healthy marriage looks like, what two people do when they love each other. They prioritize each other. The best parenting we have done is not coaching or sermons or telling people what to do. It has been our example. And if you want to know if that's true or not, you can just ask one of them, but don't ask the weird questions. (laughs) What have I said today? Man, parenting, family, it's like juggling, It is difficult, it is overwhelming. In fact, if I asked you right now, how many of you think that you could, oh, my tennis balls are gone. (laughs) How many of you could juggle three balls? Most of you would say what? No way, no way. Family can feel that way. How many of you can really do a family really well? It's like, oh my gosh, you don't know the characters we have. It can feel overwhelming. But I'm telling you what, if you practice some of the things we talked about today, You can really get better. There's no perfect families. Our family's not perfect. It's dysfunctional just like the next one. But you can get better. You can get better and better and better. Next week, I'm going to try to juggle four balls up here because I'm going to practice. I'm asking you to take something today. Where are you going to start? Take one of the things you heard today. Maybe it's clarifying your purpose. Maybe it's engaging more, engaging relentlessly. Maybe it's bringing some discipline and order into your kid's life. Maybe, maybe it's just being a better example. But circle one of those fix, uh, and, and start somewhere. Some of you are like, man, it's too late. I, my kids are eight, nine, 10. I, I haven't disciplined. Listen, you can still start now. You can still get results if you start now. If you engage them, if you set the example, you can, it's not too late for you. Don't give up on that. Some of you might be thinking, man, I've blown it and my kids are gone. Well, I tell you what, you can always apologize. You really can. Some of the best conversations I've had with my kids is like, hey, would you forgive dad? Like, I'm just, I I just messed that up. Can you forgive me? And of course the kids do what? They forgive. It's unbelievable. Like, of course, dad, I forgive you. Of course. They're so gracious and so kind. Because parents, it's hard to get it all right, isn't it? It's hard to get some of it right. <laughs> and so we got maybe to, the, maybe the best thing to do is, is, to, is to have a conversation about how, hey, as a dad, as a mom, I, I've really been dropping the ball. I haven't disciplined you like I needed to. I haven't been paying attention like I needed to. And, and maybe just have that conversation. I'm telling you what, you, you might, things might go incredible for you today if you have that kind of conversation. Where do you need to start? Don't be overwhelmed. Just take one thing and begin to practice it this week. Now, as we wrap up, no one was a better example. We just talked about example, right? Number four. No one was a better example than Jesus. Do you agree? Like, um, amen? Amen. You think about, you think about Jesus and, and what he did. He loved us. He loved us. But he didn't just say to, to us, hey, I love you, like, like we say to each other. And No, no, no. He, he actually did what was best for us. And what was that? He died for us. One time Jesus said in John 15, 13, he said, there's no greater love than for a person to lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love, there's no greater way to show love than for a person to sacrifice his life for his friends. And then he did it. He died for us. He made a way for us to be in a relationship with the father, which is exactly what we needed. We needed redemption. We needed forgiveness. We needed reconciliation. We needed to be brought back into a relationship with God and Jesus did everything that was required to make that happen. What an example. And he invites you not into organized religion, not to join a church, not to become part of, you know, whatever, some type of uh, religion. No, he invites you to step into a relationship with himself to know him, to know his father, who is the perfect parent. That's why we call him our heavenly father. Do you know him today? Have you asked Christ to be your savior? If you haven't, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. You can step into a relationship with Jesus today and you can know the father today and you can receive the forgiveness of sins, fellowship with God, joy and peace. And if you're feeling drawn into this moment, you know who you are, just step in, just, just, just say yes. I'm going to say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's designed for you today. Will you pray it? I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, bow your head, take these words and make them your own. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Savior. I believe you died for my sin to remove the guilt and the shame and the penalty. And I believe you came back to life to unite me to your father. And so Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sin. Be my savior today. Fill me with your spirit as I trust you. I believe in you today. And help me from this day forward to love you, to honor you and to seek to please you in all that I do. To be a better parent, a better father, a better mother, a better brother, a better sister, a better family member. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God glory to, our team? Amen? If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to get you started with what we call our save box. Inside this box, there is a Bible with a reading plan to get you started knowing God. There's some information about small group, uh, baptism, and there's also a coffee cup in here to say congratulations on trusting in Christ. If you would text the word SAVE to 65248, you can grab one of these at the information desk at your campus. If you're watching online, you can just give us a little bit more information and we'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory, amen? don't leave just yet because we still have to do our raffle moms you might have won so don't check out just yet but before we go I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there one more time I hope today you have a blessed day that you're honored you get some good food maybe some good gifts today Uh, and so happy Mother's Day can I pray for us and then I'll dismiss us to our local teams Father we love you thank you for the family it can be a circus it can be crazy but God, your word has given us some truth, some guidelines that serve as a, comp, a compass, an anchor to help us, help us create some normalcy and some health in our families. So help us to practice this week by engaging, by bringing discipline, discipline by being the example to our kids. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, I'm going to hand things off to the local teams. God bless you guys. See you next week.